There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. Lift your Bibles. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It gives me abundant life. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message that I'm about to receive. Remain standing. We're going to look at one passage of scripture, Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter number 14 and verse number 16. Luke 14, verse 16. We're going to finish our series today. Jesus, no other name. And you need to know that name is bigger than any problem, any obstacle, any issue, any past experience. That name is bigger than that. If you got an addiction, that name is bigger than that. If you got trouble in your mind, that name is bigger than that. If you got trouble in your family, that name is bigger than that. Luke 14 and 16. And this is Jesus speaking. Jesus uses parables to teach us principles. So the parable didn't actually happen, but he illustrates a story so that we would see the principles that are laid in there with. Luke 14 and 16. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper. Uh, some translations say a great party. Say a party. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to party. This is what you mean. I like to have a good time. Whoever told you serving Jesus is boring, they must not have been serving him right. Because let me tell you, serving Jesus is the most fun and exciting thing that you could ever do. It's exciting knowing that you ain't facing your problems by yourself. It's exciting knowing that, touch your neighbor, say, it's a party. Certain man had a great party. He invited many, and he sent a servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. Say, now is the time. You didn't say it like you believe it. Say, now is the time. In other words, I got an announcement for somebody. You've been saying, Lord, when is this going to happen? And when is that going to happen? Today, your announcement is that all things are ready now. I'm going to tell you, take your life off a pause. All things are ready now. Stop saying when this happens, when this happens, when this happens. I'm going to tell you, it's already happened. All things are ready now. Touch your neighbor, say now. 
Verse 18, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. And the first said to him, well, I bought a piece of ground, so I got to go see about it. I asked that you'd excuse me. And another said, uh, 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 another said to him, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I asked that you'd have me excused. Still another said, I just got married and I, I can't come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Verse 22, and the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and yet there is still room. Touch your neighbor and say, there's still room. Now, let me just help you understand what the parable is saying. There were some people that Jesus invited. Literally, he's talking about the house of Israel, but I won't even take it to that level of death as I actually did the text to you today. Uh, there are some people that Jesus said, come on, and they said no. And so because they said no, Jesus said, well, fine, you ain't stopping my show. And so touch your neighbor and say, so he invited us. He invited everybody that didn't get everything right all the time, everybody that had some mistakes, everybody that had some issues. That's good news if you ain't been perfect all your life because the master said, I want the ones that are poor, maimed, lame, and blind. Touch your neighbor and say they had issues. But there's still room in verse 22. And so verse 23, then the master said to the servant, I tell you what, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Come in to the what, y'all? To the party that my house might be what? Filled. In other words, Jesus says, I want my house full when? All the time. Father, I decrease now that you might increase. Taylor, make this word for us, your people, that we might move and walk in those things that you have ordained. Today, Father, I pray that something would be stirred up on the inside of us, Father. Something would be charged on the inside of us, Father. That you would give us a, a Holy Ghost infusion today, Father. That you would refill us with your precious Holy Ghost today. That we might do what Acts says. That we might go out with power to be witnesses today. I declare that everybody that walked in here discouraged is going to leave encouraged. Everybody that walked in here defeated is going leave victorious everybody that walked in here with issues is gonna leave free today is a day of transformation it's a day of change and it's a day of invitation and harvest if you believe somebody ought to give God praise in here I said if you believe it somebody ought to give him as you take your seats half have two or three people around you tell them invite them to the party invite them to the party invite them to the party Hallelujah. In this series, we've been learning that there is no other name by which we can receive favor, healing, life, peace, joy, or hope. And in this life-giving series, you've been revealing, receiving, and applying the power of that name that is above every name. Shout it, y'all. Now, we started this series. Let me take us down memory lane for just a moment. We started this series acquainting ourselves with the love that emanates or comes from his name. Touch your neighbor and say, he loves you. Somebody needs to know that. You might not really like you right now, but I'm going to tell you, not only does he love you, but he likes you too. And you may not think that much of yourself right now, but I'm here to tell you, he thought you were to die for. Touch your neighbor and say, you don't have a clue who you're sitting next to, babe. He loved me so much, he hung on that tree and he died for me. I, I, but then we learned that Jesus is more than just a name, it's a way of life. Say, he's a way of life. We learned in that particular message that there is the way of the fool and there is the way of the faithful, and that is called Jesus. But then the next message we learned that his name is more than just a name, but he is a reward. Say the reward. But then we learned last week that every place he shed his blood, he was buying something for us since blood is an instrument of redemption, which means his name is more than just a name. Every time I say that name, I'm bringing up the receipt. 
And every time I bring up the receipt, I'm reminded that he paid for me to have life and have life more abundantly. He paid so that I could be healed. He paid so that I could be set free. He paid so that I would be able to break every curse. And I think that there are some curse breakers at this 11:15 a.m. experience that say, when I call on that name Jesus, I'm bringing up the receipt of everything that he's paid for for me. Touch your neighbor and say, bring up the receipt. Bring up the receipt. There's a light that he's already died and paid for you to have. You were not created to be messed up. You were not created to be jacked up. You were created to be the curse breaker in your blood. I tell you that. How five your neighbor say, bring up that receipt. Now, as we end this series, I'm doing one thing, and that's calling our church to action. And that action is very simple. Say, invite them to the party. If we were to jaywalk over to John chapter number one, as the beloved apostle John gives us the recounting of the life of Jesus in John chapter one, uh, if we were to look at verse 35, they'll put it on the screens for you. We see now how Jesus initial group of 12 disciples, disciples mean students, was invited from the mediocrity of their current existence to change the world with Jesus. Say Jesus is an invitation. And I'm going to tell you today, you came to the right place at the right time because there's an invitation he's getting ready to extend to you. Today, Jesus is saying, you got to let go of good so you can have great. You're going to have to let go of average so you can have excellent. You're going to have to let go of broke so that you can possess what he's died for. You're going to have to let go of the curse so you can possess the blessing. High five, somebody say, there's an invitation for you today. So, but now watch this. Jesus goes and he invites these 12 young men. He invites these 12 young men from the mediocrity of the existence that they are currently in. These are now 12 young men that are found doing their father's trade. And in Hebrew culture, this tells us that, watch this, as they were attempting to be apprentices to the rabbis of the day, as they were attempting to be understudies, disciples, students of the rabbis or teachers of the day, that when the rabbi decided you were not good enough, the rabbi would make a statement. He would say, go and do your father's trade. To the contrary now. If they were good enough, the rabbi would say, come, take my yoke upon you. Uh, that is why when Jesus was inviting his disciples, he would say to them, come, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burdens light. Well, now, yoke is, watch this, a wooden connection that would connect two oxen together. In other words, watch this, oh, an ox being connected to something through the process or through the uh, use of a yoke would mean that wherever that other thing went is where you went. So now Jesus, he says, come, take my yoke upon you. In other words, wherever I move, you move just like that. If I say jump, your response is how high? And in fact, uh, you may not even have time to say how high sometimes because as I'm in the process of jumping, since you're yoked to me, we're jumping together. But so what are you trying to say? So Jesus goes to these young men, and when he goes to these young men, he is telling them the things that they have wanted to hear their entire life because, after all, they're found doing their father's trade. They are tax collectors. That's a father's trade. They are fishermen. That's a family business, which means the system said they weren't good enough. I came to talk to a few people today where some system has told you you ain't good enough. Ain't nobody in here. Uh, I came to talk to some people today where life has been telling you, you can't do this and you can't do this and you don't have what it takes. But today, I came to speak it into somebody's life that while the system may have said you're not good enough, Jesus is stopping by with an invitation and he's saying, come on, let's go change the world. How about your neighbor say there is an invitation? 
So John 1, 35, watch this again the next day, John. Now this here is referring to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is referred to as the Baptist not because he was Baptist by denomination. He was Baptist as in the, in the fact that that's what he practiced. He practiced baptism, which was a Hebrew custom called mikvah, which was used to, watch this, among several other things, cleanse people from their past and also to ordain people into the ministry. Check it out. So he's John the who? Baptist. He has two of his disciples, two of his own students, because at this time, John is the incumbent spiritual leader of the day. He is the ruling kingdom God of the day. If you want to know about the kingdom, you go to John. If you want to know about mess and junk and all this, you go to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But John was specifically here. You do remember who John the Baptist is. He was Elijah that was now reincarnated as John the Baptist. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So God sends Elijah to come and prepare the way for the coming of Jesus the Christ. Y'all still with me? So watch this now. Verse 35, again the next day, John the Baptist here stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the reason I was sent. I'm just telling you what he was really saying. Behold, the Lamb of God. In other words, when John saw Jesus, he said, for that reason was I sent. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. Watch this, verse 37. Then the two disciples, now whose disciples were those? John the Baptist. Heard him speak, and they followed who? Jesus. Well, now, wait a minute. Watch this. John, who's the incumbent kingdom guy of the day, pointed the people to fo that were following him to begin following Jesus, not to himself. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. For all of you with your email groups and your text groups and your phone groups and all of this stuff, that's real nice. But I'm going to tell you you're out of order because your responsibility as a John is to point them to Jesus. Let me, let me make it very, very plain for you. You're supposed to point people to your pastor and your church and tell them, listen, this is where I get my food from. Here's a CD. But you need to go get your own plate and stop eating off of my plate. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Apparently, you didn't like that. So I should just you fix your faces before I decide to come out there. John said, this was the reason I was sent. So the men following me, I surrender them to him. Tell your neighbor, say, stop eating off my plate. That's why some of you feel so drained when you try to help people because you're illegally operating as a pastor. Y'all not saying nothing to me. You sitting here trying to do for them what you ain't even letting be done for yourself. Y'all not going to say nothing to me. What you need to do is say, listen, let me tell you how I got my mind. Listen to one of these CDs. Let me tell you how I'm still making it. Listen to this. And that's why the scripture said they heard him speak. Let me make it modern for us and contemporize it. They listened to one of Jesus' CDs. And they were like, God, dog, he cold-blooded. He's speaking right to me, which is why, Harvest, I've encouraged us that when you buy one CD, buy two, so you can give one away to somebody else. John, who's the incumbent leader, says, it's my responsibility to take those that I have influence with and point them to who influences me. Not sit here and act like that reservoir of knowledge, I came up with it. Ooh, it's quiet right there. I, I, I'd spend more time if I had more time right there. That's all right. Wednesday's coming. Watch this. So now, in between these verses, from verses 37 to 46, we see the 12 coming together. Say they came together. Say they were invited. Consider this. When Jesus was building his team, he goes to people that other people said weren't good enough. 
He goes to people that other people said they don't quite fit the bill. He goes to people that say, well, no, I don't, they got too much of a past. They got too much of a this. They got too much of a this. They still working on this. And Jesus looks at those people and say, those are the ones I want. Can I tell you, stop saying, well, God can't use me because I got issues. I got an announcement. You're exactly who he wants to use because you got issues. What I found out about Jesus is that he doesn't often call the qualified. Instead, he reverses it. He just quantifies those that he calls, which touch your neighbor, say, God's hand is upon you. That was the wrong neighbor. Touch somebody else, say, God's hand is upon you. Baby, he wanted you. That's why he died for you. And you can keep running, but you can't hide. The invitation is being laid on the table. So in verse 46, we come to this one. And the guy's name is Nathaniel. Nathaniel's name there literally means God has given. And in verse 46, listen to what Nathaniel says to him. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But now, we got an interesting thing here. Because who was from Nazareth? Jesus. Nathaniel's like, he from where? Who? Somebody said Esau. <laughs> I just discovered Denver had an Esau about three weeks ago. I didn't even know. I didn't even, didn't even know. And literally, I had my staff, they taught me about it. I said, oh, really? So what is that? They showed me on the map the whole name. What's this? What's this? Here's one. Here. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Touch your neighbor and say, can anything good? Come out of Nazareth. And look what Philip said to him. Philip said, come to the party, man. Come and see. What I love about Jesus is that Jesus always says, I got an experience for you that will knock theory out the water. See, the reason I preach about being a curse breaker and I believe it is because I am one. I'm not just talking theory about what I've seen him do. I'm talking about what I've watched him do in my own life. Baby, if I had time to tell you everything that he's done for me, you look and say, how in the heaven did that come up out of that? Well, I got news for you. Can anything good come up out of Memphis? Yes, sir. Can anything good come up out of Denver? Yes, sir. Can anything good come up out of your life? High five somebody and say, yes, sir. Even if it was a man, they get the point. Now watch this. Nazareth in Hebrew means bowl. Now bowl is interesting because, because you might think of bowl and you might immediately think about Fruit Loops, corn flakes, or frosted flakes, or if you didn't get the stuff off the shelf, you went down here, Fruitangios, which are not the same as Fruit Loops. I, I'm so sick of it. It tastes the same. No, it doesn't. They taste flat, and they don't, they don't, they're not as full of a flavor. One Cocoa Pebbles, you had Cocoa Roos. What is a Roo? Now, I know what a pebble is, but I don't know nothing about no Cocoa Roo. Who is that? Back to the message. Say bowl. Come on, say it, Harvey. Say bowl. Now, check this out. Here's what's interesting about a bowl. You ever seen a bowl? Uh, a bowl has, watch this, a perimeter around it. Actually, they did an excellent job. There's a picture. Let me just show you in case you haven't seen one. There's a bowl. Everybody seen the bowl? You, you seen this? You see this? Now, check this out. Here's the trip about the bowl. Is that a bowl is a predicament in life that's worse than a valley. Bishop, what do you mean it's worse than a valley? 
Because a valley has a beginning and an end. A bowl, everywhere you look, there's walls. You're not hearing what I'm saying. So when Jesus was coming out of Nazareth, what they were really saying is, this man is coming from a place where nobody succeeds. This man is coming from a place where everybody's got issues and jacked up and messed up. Can anything good come out of this bowl? Because there's no perceived way outside of these circumstances. Let me make it practical for you. Can anything good come out of what you've been through? Can anything good come out of your mess? I got an answer for you. Yes. Somebody shout yes. It is an invitation. Watch this. Jesus is more than a name. He's an invitation. Can I tell you something? Put that bowl up. Uh, put that bowl up. Put that. There it is. I just move fast. They move real fast. They're doing an excellent job. But y'all thank God for AVL. Don't they do a wonderful job? Amen. Well on to he that don't know how to move fast with me. <laughs> can I tell you something? I, and I just need to test the room because I can stop the message right here and sit down and we can have announcements right here. I just need to test the room. I need to know where I'm at. Is there anybody in here? Because some of y'all, yeah, I ain't even got to finish it. Come on, bitch, I'm saying! You don't even know what I'm going to say. I'd be like, is there anybody in here that need to go to the bathroom? And you sitting there, oh, yes, come on, bitch, <laughs> Well, go. <laughs> is there anybody in here where it's some people, it's some circumstances, it's some situations that, truth be told, were worse than a valley? They were a bowl. Because everywhere you look, there was no way out. And you sitting up here saying to yourself, God, I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of that. But I got an announcement for you. But I just need to first know, is there anybody that's ever had a Nazareth situation? Okay, I'll just sit down because that ain't enough of y'all. I ain't going to preach if you ain't never had. Is there anybody to where the truth be told, you were like, God, I heard you can make ways. But how are you going to make a way out of this? Because... Everywhere I look, there's issue after issue after issue. I got an announcement from heaven just for you today. Can anything good come out of your Nazareth? The answer is yes. Somebody holler yes. God is getting ready to turn your Nazareth into an invitation for you to do something great. You didn't hear what I just said. It is your pain that's getting ready to become your pulpit. It is your pain that's getting ready to spawn you into your purpose. It is your hell that's getting ready to take. I wish you'd shake your neighbor's arm like you're going to shake it off. Tell them something good's coming out of this. That was the wrong neighbor. Shake the other one. Say something good's coming out of this. You didn't go through all that hell for nothing. You didn't go through all that pain for nothing. You didn't go through that betrayal for nothing. Something good is getting ready to come out of you. Look, say an invitation. Let me tell you why you needed a Nazareth. You needed a Nazareth to ignite you. You wouldn't pray if it wasn't for your Nazareth. You wouldn't worship it, but what, that's why when we were just singing, we owe it to him. Some folk was like, because their Nazareth ain't got hot enough. Well, I got an announcement for you. You can either wait till it gets hot or you can just say, I'm going to just turn it up myself because I ain't got another day to spend in this hell. I ain't got another day to spend in this mess. I ain't got another day to spend in this wilderness. I believe something good's getting ready to come out of this. Touch your neighbor and say, it ignited you. It was Judas that got Jesus to fulfill his destiny. 
you ain't saying nothing to me. It was his betrayal that got him to the cross. And when he got to the cross, he said, it is finished. What, what was he saying? What I was sent here to do, I've finally done it. But it came at the hands of a betrayer. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Is there anybody that's like the psalmist that can say, it was good that I was afflicted? You ain't sitting next to the right neighbor yet. Just, just touch them say, that thing ignited you. That thing. It was when they walked out on you that you finally started praying. It was when they left you that you finally started worshiping. It, is there anybody that can say, that Nazareth ignited me? But from that ignition came an invitation. I need you to hear me. That hell was an ignition. So hear me. If, if, you, if you're in this room and you have been locked up, can I tell you something? Stop beating yourself up for it. That was your ignition. God said, no, 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 I'm serious. Don't tell me, Justin, we don't do that here. God had to pull you over to the corner and say, come here. Now you wouldn't listen to me out there. So come on, let's talk. We got all day. If you ever been left by somebody that you thought would always be there, I bet you that's the time you started putting in them CDs like you didn't before. I bet you that's the time you started worshiping, praying like you didn't before. Bishop, what are you trying to tell me? Your Nazareth is what ignited you. And rather than cursing your Nazareth, you need to look at it and say thank you because you were an invitation. Watch this. Had those men not had been rejected by the system, they never would have had the experience to be accepted by Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? Touch your neighbor and say, thank God for your Nazareth. Tell the other one, say, thank God for your Nazareth. Thank God for the fact that you lost the house. It taught you that you can make it even without all of that stuff. Thank God they took the car. It taught you that, you, listen, you needed to exercise know-how. It taught you how to be thankful. Th Y'all not going to say nothing to me. Thank God the government was assisting you to go get your groceries. Don't look at me like you ain't. Touch your neighbor say, thank God for Nazareth. Thank God that your mama did you the way she did. Thank God your daddy did it the way you did. It pushed you to Jesus. So watch this. That may have ignited you, but from what ignited you, he invited you. Say, from what ignited me, he invited me. So here it is, Luke 14, 16. Now remember, this is a parable, and the purpose of the parable is to teach us the principle. So Luke 14 and 16 says this. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper, and some translations call it a party. Supper for the Hebrews was a party because when they came, that's why church folk like to eat. Because it's, it's, it's been like that since the beginning. When church folk, when they had a party, the party was like, well, who cooking? Amen. And then, you know, if it was a new group of people coming together, like, well, now, who making the potato salad? Because I, you know, well, who made the greens? I, what is all of that in the green? I don't know. Now, who made the chitlins? What is all of this floating? I don't know. What is this floating? No, I ain't going to be able to do that. I, I I'm full, I'm full. We already been to two houses today already. I'm full. <laughs> That's why we like to eat, church folk. Then he said to him, a certain man was having a meal, party. And he invited him. And look, he invited who? Many. Can I tell you something? Look at me. God 
you, you're not the first God has invited in your bloodline. Amen. You're just the one that responded. I'm going to say again. You're not the first God has invited in your bloodline. The scripture said the man invited many. You're just the first one that has responded to the call to rise up out of the mediocrity and to rise up out of the jacked up mindsets and to touch your neighbor and say you responded. And that's something to celebrate about yourself. I know you maybe don't have that much to celebrate about you, but let me give you something. You responded to his invitation. And watch this. You may not be everything that you want to be, but thank God that you're not what you used to be. How about your neighbor say, I responded. Watch this. He invited many. Say, I've been invited. Verse 17. And he sent his servant at party time to say to everybody invited, come on, it's ready. Touch your neighbor says, ready. ready. Now, I don't know about you. When I go places, I like to stuff. I, you know, I don't like to be there for the prep time. So my family know when we, you know, we get all the time. And my family know just, just you know, just tell business, you know, when it's, when it's time. Because I don't want to come and sit and prep and all that and, and watch it get made. I just want to eat it. Don't judge me. Fellas, please don't leave me hanging out at the unit. Oh, wow. Like two dudes. Wow. Two dudes. All these men up in here and two dudes going to say something back to me. Wow. So, <laughs> thank you. Three dudes. Watch this. Right, I'm just being facetious, y'all. Facetious means funny. You can have fun in church. Oh, God. Touch your neighbor and say, this is the party. See, that's why we dance and stuff in church. Cause it's a party that's what we shout it's a party and you know what's so funny is that the world got its idea of how to party from us y'all not saying that David was dropping stuff like it was hot years before they knew what it was the book says David was praising God so bad one time David was like going I mean he was going in man he was going in and he danced out of his clothes y'all not hearing what I'm saying just your neighbor say this is the party Baby, I didn't stop dancing. I just changed who I was dancing with and who I was dancing for. I didn't stop partying. I just... If you want to see a real turn up, stop by Harvest. Because we ain't turning up for the world. We're turning up for that name that is above every name. Watch this. I got to finish say he invited him. Verse 17, and he sent his servants at supper time and he said, come for everything's ready. Now watch this. I was telling you, I, I like when stuff is ready. I like for it to be ready to go. So everywhere I can get stuff ready to go before I get there, I do it. Like places that you like, you can't get to go from there. Ooh, if your last name is the foreman, they're going to get it to go for you. <laughs> Call 7-Eleven. Let me get it to go Slurpee. I'm going to need that. <laughs> I'm going to eat it ready. No, Coke and red. Coke and red now. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't mess with that sugar. All right, watch this. Come for everything's ready. Touch your neighbor and say it's ready. ready. I, I, I already said it, but I need you to get this. God is saying to you, everything you've been sitting back waiting on him to do, it's ready. I'm say it again because you didn't hear me. Everything you've been sitting back Waiting on God to do. Well, as soon as this happens, as soon as it, mm, come here. It's ready. 
The future you've been praying about is ready. The opportunity you've been asking for is ready. The time you've been waiting on is ready. Now, I need some people that speak the King's English to just high-five somebody and tell them it's ready. God ain't getting ready or fixing to do nothing. He's already done it. Can I preach like an old Baptist preacher for a minute? Is there anybody? And you know it's already ready, already. I found three people telling him it's already, already. Stop talking about what he's getting ready to do. Baby, it's already ready. It's like Thanksgiving. All you had to do was show up to the house, sit at the table, and eat. Bishop, what we eating? Now he prepares a table for me. Come here Wednesday night. In the presence of my enemies. What's ready? Your enemies are sitting on the table. Ready for you. Be seated. Say it's ready. Now Bishop, how do you know it's ready? Because I need to go. I went here Wednesday. I need to go here again. I said it fast. Let me say it again. Whenever God says, uh, he says to the psalmist, he says, uh, the psalmist says, rather, thou prepares a table for me in the. Now, watch this. Touch your neighbor and say, what's for dinner? Come on, now, Wednesday night, you already know, so tell them what's for dinner. Your enemies. The reason you needed enemies was so that you could have strength. You want to know how you're so strong like you are now? And when people look at you, they wonder, how have you gone through all that and you're still strong? It's because when you sat down at that table, he said it's ready. And when you sat down at that table, you began to dine vivaciously on your enemies. Your enemies are what's for dinner. Bishop, how do I know that? Because the scripture says, they said, listen, why are we afraid of these enemies? They are like bread for us. Now, what's an enemy? Touch your name and say, what's an enemy? An enemy is anything that opposes, what's this? Anything that opposes your forward progress. So an enemy is a noun. A noun is a person, place, thing, watch it, or idea. Which means sometimes the enemy isn't external, sometimes it's domestic. Sometimes the enemies aren't foreign. Sometimes they're domestic. Sometimes the enemy is not them. Sometimes it is the inner me. Watch this. Numbers 14, 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor for the people of the land, for they are our what? Bread. Well, if I'm sitting down at a table getting ready to eat, I don't know about you, but the best meals come with bread. Let me go talk over here because they ain't saying nothing over here. Don't bring me no barbecue without a piece of that white bread. Y'all, let me talk over here. They don't know nothing about that. Don't talk to me about no turkey and chitlins and dressing and you ain't got no dinner rolls to go with it. God says everything that has opposed your forward progress is your bread. Which means rather than getting mad about it, you need to say thank you. When somebody comes against you, don't cuss them out. Say thank you. When you find out somebody's lying on you, don't, don't feel like you got to get even. Say thank you. When somebody's spreading rumors about you, say thank you. You know what a rumor is? Watch this. A rumor is God's ability to make you famous without you doing nothing. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? You ought to stop getting upset about the fact that people are talking about you. The fact that they're talking about you means you must be doing something. You don't talk about folk that ain't going nowhere and ain't doing nothing. So if Touch your neighbor say, it's my bread. Everything that opposes your forward progress. 
I need to take a 10-second break right here. This is just for the people that got a lot of bread. I'm just talking to some of y'all where the last couple of months, it's been like, woo, to the we. I just need y'all. This ain't for nobody else. This is just for y'all. Where you got a lot of bread, I, I just need you to start telling your bread, thank you. Just take 10 seconds. What's the bread? My enemies. What's an enemy? Anything that opposes my forward progress. If the doctor sent you a bad report, look at it and say, thank you. Here it is. I got to finish. Watch this. And he sent his servant at party time to those who were invited and said, come, because it's what? Ready. Say it's ready. And notice, put the verse up. It says things are now ready. I need to do something. See, I need to do something. See, Dream Team, you're blessed because the flow at the different experiences is different. And the Holy Ghost, he said, tell everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Say, now, now. it's ready. It's ready. Now, now here's, here's, here's what he wanted to do. He said, I need them to see themselves doing this. Sit down. Sit down. Yes, you, sit down. Bishop, where did I just sit? At the table. He needed you to see yourself do it. So when stress tries to come later this afternoon, sat down. I'm getting ready to eat. When trouble shows up in your family, sat down. You're getting ready to eat. Come now, all things are ready. Watch this, verse 18. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. They all made excuses at the wrong time. Say, now is the time to drop my excuses. Ain't it a trip how all of them came up with excuses at the same time? The scripture says, with one accord, they began to make excuses, which tells me that if you listen to the crowd, the crowd is going to talk you out of your invitation. Some of y'all felt good till you sat down around the crowd this Thursday and they talked you out of your invitation. Y'all not going to say nothing to me. The first said, I, uh, look at his excuse. He said, listen, 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 uh, look here. I just uh, uh, bought some, uh, some ground, some land, and uh, I need to go see it. Now, check this out. Watch how sloppy his excuse is. See, I, I don't like excuses because they're like roaches. Well, there is one. It's a whole lot more. He says, I just bought a piece of land. I need to go see it. So you didn't see it before you bought it. No, seriously, like you just bought it sight unseen. It's not like they had Google to where he could have Googled, Google earthed it or something and said, oh, this looks like a nice land. So you bought some land and you're just now going to see it after you paid for it. Check this out. Which tells us that the mentality of the man was such that he was so careless in his decision making. He didn't know that when the most important decision of his life came up, that that careless decision-making pattern was getting ready to rob him of his invitation. Okay, so let me make it real plain for you. Well, as soon as I finish this, I'm going to do that. I don't want to put too much on my plate. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I'm going to do this. Can I ask you something? How, if you check your history, um, do you really trust your decision-making ability that much? 
Let me parenthetically insert something here. When you get ready to make a decision, here's something you ask. Is this the wise thing to do? Watch this. Three lights. In light of my past experiences, is this the wise thing to do? In light of my present experiences, is this the wise thing to do? In light of my future dreams and desires, is this the right thing to do? This man says, look what he says. That was for free. This man says, no, no charge, no charge. This man says, let me have my fun first, and then I'll respond to the invitation. What does that represent, Bishop? It represents time you're wasting not living for Jesus, thinking that anything else matters more than Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Denver, you better fix your face. It is, watch this, time we waste not living for Jesus, thinking that something, there is something more important than Jesus. Old church, you say it like this, only what you do for Christ will last. There you go. T check this out. I'm here to tell you, there is nothing you got going that's more important than his invitation. Amen. Nothing. Just isn't. Just isn't. But look at verse 19. And another said, now remember, they all making excuses together. And it's funny, it says they were with one accord. So it's almost like they met and said, what you going to tell them? Because I don't want to say the same thing. So the first guy apparently buys some land sight unseen. The next guy, and another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, which is a total of 10, because a yoke, remember, connected them, so there's 10. I just bought uh, 10 ox, and uh, I need to go test them. <laughs> Can I tell you something about people that's going to help you not get all messed up about people? It's, it's very deep. First thing about people, you need to know, people do what they want to do. Second thing that's true about people, you ready? But this is deep. In Hebrew, it's real deep. It's real deep. People do what they want to do. So when people give you their laundry list of excuses, you just need to know they didn't want to. Now, that don't make them good, bad, ugly, whatever. It just means you didn't want to. Because if you wanted to, you would have done it. It's quiet up in the church. Y'all was shouting a minute ago. Look at this guy. He says, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go test them. <laughs> so he didn't test them before he bought them? And what test exactly are you getting ready to give them? Watch this. To where you have to test them during the party. What is it that you have to go test them while we having the party? You can't test them before the party? You can't come to the party a little late after you test them? You can't test them after the party. Just tell me the truth, man. You don't want to come to the party. What he says? This is what does this represent? Uh, he, he says, I asked that you to excuse me. He trusted his resources more than his source. He trusted his investments more than his invitation. His job became more important than his Jesus. I know that's a sobering reality, but it is reality nonetheless. And remember, this is a parable. A parable is designed to teach us a principle. The third guy, another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Look at how sloppy of an excuse this is. Like, if you're going to lie, you know, come on. I mean, like, work on it. I'm not saying you shouldn't lie, but I'm just saying, I just got married. I can't come. Why? Bring her. Well, you know, she kind of, well, then you shouldn't have gotten married to her if you can't bring around nobody. Now, if you knew she was going to stir stuff up with the family, then you should have figured that out beforehand. 
Y'all not going to, okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. If you knew she was trouble or trouble before you got with her, then you should have left her out there. People don't really like her. Well, then I'm just confused. Oh, you thought only two people got married. You didn't realize two families did. Oh. Oh, Sheila. He said, I got married. I can't come. The most horrible excuse ever. Because he doesn't even say, like, we're, we're on a trip. We're out of town. You know, um, he just said, I just got married. So I can't come. People and their excuses. Bishop, what does this represent? Let me contemporize it. Bad relationships and relationship drama will make you miss an invitation. As a pastor, I've seen this happen to people year after year after year after year after year after year to where you get to the point you're just like, mm, okay, whatever. Because watch this. Luke 14, 26, just a few verses later, listen to what Jesus says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, now hate here was the best word in translation from the Greek they could get to mean strong aversion to, but it really doesn't even mean that. The connotation here is that love less. So Jesus wasn't saying hate anybody. No, that would be contrary to his very nature. He says he is love. So if he says he is love, how will he tell us to do something antithetical to the very nature that he is? So he says, if anybody comes to me and does not love his mother and father less than me, his wife and children less than me, his brothers and sisters less than me than he watch this and even his own life less than me he can't be my student now check this out these were pre-established relationships which means jesus was saying i don't care if you met them before you met me if after meeting me they make it a choice between them and me jesus is saying they got to go Jesus does not negotiate for first place. Either he's got it or he leaves. Because my wife don't like coming to church. Well, sounds to me like you need to send her an email. <laughs> now I'm joking. Don't send her an email. Talk to her. Be a man. <laughs> text him. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Don't, don't text him. Listen. If, if, if somebody makes a choice between Jesus and them, it's not a choice. You got to go. And that's my answer. Watch this. Not just in romantic relationships. Look what he says. Love less his father and mother. Come on, you ain't got to go to church today. Just remember me to the stove. Mm-mm. You ain't got to pray right now. Come on. I, after all I did to raise you, thank you. But I love you less than him. I don't not love you, but I love you less than him. Watch this. Well, my wife, your wife and kids come after. Read it. Not before. People in all their priority charts, the stuff that's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. The book says, if you don't love them less, your brothers and sisters, Less. Say less than. less than. He says, you can't be my disciple. But all these people made a bunch of excuses. And I'm going to tell you that bad relationships and relationship drama will make you miss an invitation. 
because you'll get so caught up in the mess that you'll forget about Jesus. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Watch this. I have watched people on fire for Jesus get in a relationship, and the relationship takes a visit down Ike and Tina Lane. Now, the Ike or the Tina could be either party. You know, you got these women now, they'll beat you now. Where you put that chair? Wait a minute now. And it, okay, okay. No, because somebody might be getting beat, so we don't make fun of that. We don't make fun of that. Send it to my line out there, and I guarantee you, ooh, she won't do that no more. Just send it, say, go see Bishop. She'll come back another woman. I'll make over. <laughs> I watch people. I, 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 I need you to get this. I watch people that were on fire for Jesus and get yoked up in a bad relationship. Or it could be an existing relationship that has a rough time and it affects their serving of Jesus. I just need some, I just need some time because I got this relationship problem out of order. You just put that in front of him. And he said you got to love that and them less than. This must be a really... You ever took a vitamin that was so thick you had to like kind of just like let it sit over to the side for a little bit to get a little bit more water? This must be a thick vitamin here. I mean, y'all ain't saying nothing. Watch this. Watch this. There's three invitations. Coincidentally, there were, I shouldn't say coincidentally because there's no Hebrew word for that. There were three excuses made. One guy said, let me have my fun first. Another guy said, you know, let me, uh, I just, I got more trust in my own plan. I want to do my own thing. Got my own plan. I hear you, Jesus, but I, you know, I'm just, you know, when I'm 45, I'll do it. When I'm 55, I'll do it. When I, when I settle down, I'll do it. When I, when I, I ain't ready for all that. So some of y'all have said, I just, I ain't ready. I ain't ready. What you, when, when you gonna be ready? It's quiet in here. I just, you know, I just need some more time. Time to do what? If you're jumping out of a plane, the best time to do it is now. Because <laughs> the more you sit there and watch more sky. God, dog. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Watch this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And sometimes you just got to... <laughs> Before you know it, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. It wasn't, going, it wasn't that rough. Some of you still holding on to your past, still holding on to the way you used to do it, because that's all you know. And Jesus today is getting ready to give you an invitation. Touch your neighbor say, just do it. So there's three invitations today. That third guy, he said, I got relationship problems. I'll serve Jesus as soon as all my relationships are right. What's funny is you're trying to take what you need to fix it out of it to try to fix it. I remember, I remember years ago, a couple told me, they, they said, uh, we just need some time. We're just going to take some time away from church so we can work on our marriage. I said, now, I don't know which one of y'all is the idiot, but I'm just curious. 
Because one of y'all is a fool. I just need to know, is it both of y'all together? Is this a collective foolism? No, I just need to know. Because two people that can read, write, and do arithmetic couldn't have possibly came to that conclusion that removing the source of the solution is going to fix the problem. I, I, I know you couldn't possibly have come up with that. I'm just saying. I, now, one of y'all is a fool. I just want to know which one. So I can lay hands and cast the devil out of them. <laughs> Say three invitations. Yeah. The first invitation, and I'm getting ready to do it right now. It's an invitation to Jesus Christ. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, there is an invitation for you. to now is, now is the time. You were born for such a time as this. There needs to be an urgency in you about life that it's not, I'll do it next month, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next year. It's that I'm going to do it now. When I was a little kid, I prayed a prayer that was a very interesting prayer. I said, Lord, accelerate my future. Because I said, God, I do not want to have to take 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 and 100 and 110 years. I don't, it don't take that long for you to get done what you need to get done if I just give you what you want now. And so today, if you're in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, there needs to be an urgency in you. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till Wednesday. Don't wait till you get home to do it. Do it right now. Well, Bishop, I made a lot of mistakes. Come just as you are, but don't plan on staying that way. The gospel is real simple. 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid the price for you and I. He paid the price so that, with, watch this, you and I could have life and life more abundantly. There is a difference between breathing and living. There's a difference between existing and living. And watch this. Jesus says, I didn't come for you to just suck air. I came for you to have life and life more abundantly. What does that mean practically, Bishop? To where you've got so much life that your life overflows that when people see you, they say, I want what you have. Which means, watch this. Abundant life is more than money. Abundant life is more than stuff. Abundant life is more than relationships. Abundant life means I am. Come here, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. All is well. That's why some folk look at you and say, you ain't lonely because this and that. No, baby, I am shalom. Don't you wish this? No, I am shalom. Nothing's missing. But then secondly, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you've not been faithful in serving him, this is your invitation right here, right now. I'm not waiting to the end of the worship experience and once I finish the message to do it. There's two invitations after this, but I can't get to those two if I don't get to the most important of decisions you must make. So right here, I'm going to have you do this in this experience. Bow your heads, close your eyes real quick. If you're in here and you've never become a Christian, you need to become one. Today is your day. Secondly, if you've fallen away from Jesus, you need to come back to him. Today is your day. At Harvest, we're not going to beat you up. We're not going to beat you down. We're going to love you to life. I don't care how big you messed up. I'm going to tell you that your mess up was not as big as his setup and the setup was him getting on that cross and paying the price so if either one of those of you wherever you're at if you're here at the Aurora campus and watching online at one of our Roku campuses wherever you're at on the count of three throw your hand up one two three throw your hand up if that's you I see you I see you I see you oh come on Harvest we're celebrating you God is proud of you it's a church full of folk proud of you now I want every hand lifted in this place and we thank God for every hand we saw in here and every hand that we did not see. I'm moving quickly. I would say for the moment I'm moving so I can get to these other two. I want everybody to say this. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess my sin before you. Thank you for dying in my place. Because of that belief and because of that confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. My spirit is brand new. My past is washed away. If I was far from you, I'm reconnected to you. I've responded to the first invitation. In Jesus' name, harvest, give God praise for the harvest of souls and the harvest of lives. 
somebody's mother, somebody's uncle, somebody's brother, somebody's sister, somebody's cousin. Now watch this. If you just did that, some of you are like, whoa, Bishop totally changed it up. Sure did. I figured the enemy was going to wait for us to do the invitation to the end so he could talk some folk out of it. So I just do it right in the middle of the message. If you just lifted your hand, take out your mobile phone. Yes, go ahead and take it out right here, right now in church. If you, don't, if you left it in the car, we'll do it since you get out there. And text the word decision to the phone number 59769. And when you do it, we're going to send you a text. It's going to help you serve Jesus faithfully. And I want to challenge you. Respond to the invitation, not just this once, not just this once, but respond to this invitation every time those doors open. Bishop, what do you mean? Be faithful to attending church. You don't go to the gym once after a big old Thanksgiving meal talking about I'm going to get back in shape. You consume 3,494 calories. And that was your first plate. So don't tell me you went and walked for an hour and you feel good burning that all off. You didn't burn 150 calories. You ain't burnt that off. But so what are you trying to say? Be consistent and be faithful at church. And I think there's some witnesses and some harvesters in here that can tell you if you're faithful, won't he turn your life around? But there's another invitation. Somebody say there's another. That is the invitation to do this, to change the world with me. When Jesus went to those 12 young men, he was giving them an invitation, and the invitation was to change the world with him. Check this out. They dropped what they were doing to follow him. They gave up their businesses and their careers and their plans to follow him because they said, I might not get this moment again, and if I, I, they already rejected me before, and so if I miss it with this man, I may not get this opportunity again. There needs to be an urgency in somebody in this place. I'm inviting you to change the world with me. I know why I was sent. I wasn't sent to just be some back road, dusty road preacher. I was sent to raise up a mighty army. I was sent to raise up a mighty church. I was not sent to take sides. I was sent to take over. And today there is an invitation because I believe there's some Joshua's in here. And I believe there's some Elisha's in here. And I believe there's some Timothy's in here. And I believe there's some Titus in here where you've been waiting on why you've been born. Announce Come with me. Let's change the world. Watch this. Watch this. Mark Twain said, the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. People who don't know why they're here make a lot of poor decisions. Because every decision they're making is emanating from a place of not knowing what the end result is supposed to look like. Please understand. When you look up a recipe for something, yesterday I made some cream spinach. Yes, I did. And let me tell you, now I'm just telling you, now y'all know, you know, the spirit of cooking had came up off of me. <laughs> My cakes turned into like cornbread. <laughs> it was a real rough season in my cooking. And uh, it was a Nazareth. It really was. It was now, like, I don't care how I season it. It just ain't good. It just, I ain't cooking no more. Yesterday, I made just cream spinach, and, and so I looked up some recipes, and I said, well, see, I don't, I don't, there's a particular milk, and I don't, I don't drink regular dairy. I, I, I drink another kind of milk. I don't drink dairy milk, because that's for her cows. That's for her, her offspring. So, I don't, I don't drink milk that's meant for, that's just me. You do you. I just believe that's just me. It's a cow's milk. So... That's for her offspring. Well, I ain't from her. 
So I just figured I'm going to leave her milk for her children. So I says, so I was like, well, I, I, looked up some, I looked up Paula Dean's recipe. And then I looked up Emerald's recipe. Emerald's had less ingredients. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to try Emerald's then. And so I put this, so I was like, okay, this is going to be good. And so, you know, I, put, I, I, was, really, I was really cooking. I'm like, God, no, come on, do it. I mean, I was, I was, I was really going in. I was going in. And, and his cream spinach, is, now, maybe it's just me. Maybe, I don't know. But this cream spinach was the best cream spinach I have ever. Now, because I added some stuff to, to, to Emerald Nim's recipe. See, I put some, I put some, I put some, I put some real butter in there. I had some garlic. I had some onions. I sweated the onions down. Then I put some peppered bacon bits on the inside of Real bacon, though. I sweated that stuff down, and then I began to make a cheese sauce. And so I said, I ain't got no cow's milk, and I can't put this almond milk in here because I don't know how that's going to taste. I said, so I'm going to take this cream cheese and just hope it melts. So I put it in there and it melted. I was like, all right, well, this will work. This will work. It has the creamiest cream spinach ever, but it was delightful. But so why are you telling us that? You know, I don't even remember, but I think that. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I know why. I'm just joking. I'm just playing. I know why. Because I looked at the picture of Emerald's and Paula's uh, 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 cream spinach. I said, now that looks great. And then I had mine and I had theirs. I'm like, I actually prefer mine. Mine was creamy. And, you know, if it's cream spinach, I want some cream in the spinach. You know, spinach with a little milk covering, you know. Watch this. When you look at a recipe, you see the end result. So when you make yours, you'll know whether or not it's right because it looks like the picture. So many people live life aimlessly because they don't know why they're here. And so they throwing stuff in the pot like I mean, my mama said, and daddy said, and big mama said, and so-and-so said, but they don't know why they're here. The two most important days of your life are the day you were born and then the day you find out why you were born. These 12 men, when Jesus came by, he gave them a reason for existence. Hear me, hear me. Watch this. Our church is sent here to change the world. I'm glad I got a few people that believe it. That's all right. I know how to go with the goers. You ain't got to shout for what God's called us to do. I'm cool with it. Matthew 16, 18, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church in the gates of hell, or Hades shall not prevail against it. Please understand. Please understand. I'm often told by people, Bishop, you, you, should, you should start a mentoring program to show people how to make it. And, you know, at one point I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then the Lord said, he said, son, you've already done that. It's called harvest. I'm not preaching what I think he can do. I'm preaching what I've watched him do in my own life. And Bishop, what are you trying to say? I'm inviting you because there are some Elishas. Elisha needed Elijah. Timothy needed Paul. Titus needed Paul. Joshua needed Moses. There are some of you in this room that you're not just supposed to sit here and be a member. And that's good. You're not just supposed to sit here and be an attender. That's good. You're not just supposed to sit and stream online. That's good. But you have been divinely connected to me to respond to this invitation to change the world. Amen. So, 
my invitation to you starts like this. Watch this. KOU. Guess what? It's your first step. And guess what? It starts next Sunday. Won't he do it? Because people, you know, some folks, you know, Bishop, I want to I wanna do it. I'm going to respond to the call. I want to lead. I want to lead. Well, before you lead, you must follow. Before you come in and run something, you need to be ran. It's quiet up in here. And then after you take care of you, begin serving. And after faithful serving, you'll be eligible for what we call servant leadership. We got an entire process in place. And I said, I'm not going to recreate what I already created. I want to know how to I want to know how to stand up and, and, and be a young man brought me some in between the experiences and he said thank you for showing me what a what a, this was his, the young man's words he said, thank you for showing me what a real man looks like and thank you all this and, and, and here's the point here's the point here's the point here's the point I'm making please understand our whole church is structured so that you will reach the zenith of your potential Amen. everything about how we do things is structured that way but Bishop I'm too gifted to just be a greeter well if you can't serve faithfully who can trust you to lead faithfully? If you can't be ruler over some communiques, why in the world would we make you rule over anything else? I'm inviting you to change the world with me. And for some of you, that first step is KOU. Some of you, you've taken that. And the, and the next step is you got to serve faithfully. Some of you are serving faithfully. The next step is in, in just a few weeks, you're going to be given an opportunity to participate in an entire development program we have called the apprenticeship, which is designed to train future servant leaders and future potential folks that could maybe be a part of our full-time uh, or part-time staff, whatever. Here's my point. Touch the neighbor said, there's the invitation. There's something in you that's been in you since a little boy, since a little girl. that just said, I want to do something. I want it to matter that I'm here. And I want to do more than just pay bills and die. I want to do more than just sit up and shoot the breeze and die. I want to do more than just sit up and talk about what I'm going to do when I get over there. I want to do something down here. That's your invitation. Elijah just dropped by and threw the mantle, which was the invitation. You just got your invitation to change the world. Now, you can respond or you cannot. But the invitation's been given. Touch your neighbor say, come to the party. There is no greater fulfillment when you're called to change the world than the seeing lives changed in front of your eyes. Amen. The third and final invitation I want to give. Say the invitation. And I want to invite you, watch this, to inviting people to the party. Did you check it out? I want to invite you to inviting people to the party. Amen. Bishop, who's invited to the party? Everybody. Everybody in the church. <laughs> I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. Hear me, Harvest, and here it is. Our church is a battleship, not a cruise ship. A cruise ship is about, oh, let me just sit back and relax. So I just want to come and hear a good word and just leave. That's nice. Let me thank God for that. But at some point, it's a battle station that you need to man. We're not called to be passive, Harvest. We're called to take over. 
You know, one of the greatest uh, criticisms, I remember somebody said just years ago, they said, they said uh, I'm not going to make fun of their particular accent, but um, they, they, said, they said, Harvest, is y'all just too aggressive. You're just aggressive. I said, wonderful. Is that supposed to be offensive? We've got the cure to life, and his name is Jesus, and he's at work in our church. That's the best thing you could have told me. I know I'm doing something right. You don't go right, I'm aggressive, because we're snatching people away from the gates of hell. You're just so aggressive. That's what I was sent to do. I wasn't sent to be passive. I don't like passive. Well, you know, you never know. We're going to try something. Do something, man. Where I come from, they say it like this. Shake something. Shake something, do something, move something. Say, we're not called. That ain't everybody. Say, we're not called to be passive. We're called to take over. If you had the cure for cancer, you'd tell everybody about it. Wouldn't you? We have the cure for life, and his name is Jesus. And I think I got some witnesses that he's at work in our church. This is his church by ownership, mine by stewardship, yours by membership. He's at work in our church. So we need to invite everybody to the party. Bishop, what if they don't come? Well, they could be watching on one of our digital campuses, so you don't actually know that they didn't come. You just maybe didn't see them here, or they could have came to one of the other experiences. But be that as it may, even if they don't come, so what? Invite somebody else. Well, Bishop, what if they're offended? I don't want to offend nobody. You know, that's funny, because when you were sitting up talking about your business the other week, you didn't care about offending them. When you were sitting up talking about that sale you got in the, in the email, you weren't caring about offending nobody. So don't talk to me about you wanna, don't want to offend nobody. You just ain't bold. Well, I'm here to tell you today, it's time for you to rise up and be bold about the God that saved you. If they're offended, fine. Let them be offended and go invite somebody else. Well, Bishop, what if they ain't interested? You know, what if they, what if they reject me? Well, listen, they ain't rejecting you, man. They're rejecting Jesus. Your job is to just give the invitation. Napoleon, the, the, the leader, the great leader who, you know, he's, they say he was short, but actually he, was, he, was, uh, he wasn't that short. I ain't going to tell you how tall he was, but he wasn't that short. He said, every leader is a dealer in hope. What's a leader? An influencer. Touch your neighbor and say, I know what you are. What you are. Tell them, say, I know exactly what you are. Exactly. Look, let me tell you what they are. They're a hope dealer. That's what they are. I said, they're a hope dealer. And they're an influencer. And they've got to use their influence to invite people to the party. That's why certain people come up to you at work and want to talk. And you're like, why are you coming up talking to me? Because they, you got some hope and I need you to deal it. That's why people call you on the phone and say, help me with my issues. You got some hope and they came to you to deal it. They wouldn't have come to you unless you had what they needed. Touch your neighbor and say, deal your hope, please. That's why they come to you. You're a hope dealer. So, Bishop, who should I invite to the party? Well, verse 21 tells us out of that text, I'm almost through, who we should invite to the party. He says, invite the poor. Poor means people that are helpless as a beggar, which means they could be rich, but they could still be poor biblically because they're helpless. In fact, I found that most, I won't say most, many, many extremely rich people are crazy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the money sure don't make a looney tune, not tune loon. I mean, I'm telling you. But if I had more money, no, nah, you might get crazy. Don't be chasing that money. If you'll do what you were created to do, it'll chase you. 
But, but watch this. Watch this. The poor, that means people that are helpless. The maimed, that means people that have been injured by life. There are folk that have been injured by life. Life has been rough to them. Life has beat them up. But then he said, invite the lame. Lame in Greek there means those that have been halted. Halted means their forward journey was stopped. He says, invite the people whose journey has been stopped. They got hurt. They got betrayed. They got treated badly, and their journey is halted. And then he says, invite the blind. That means the physically or mentally darkened. He says, I want you to invite people that are helpless, people that have been injured by life, people that have been halted, and people that have been physically or mentally darkened. Now, check that out. That's what all of us fit in one of them categories, if not multiple, if not all four simultaneously. And everybody been hurt by somebody. Okay, but according to the, according to the Greek, that means you've been maimed. Anybody ever felt helpless, like you didn't know what to do? You were in that Nazareth trying to cram out. Well, that means poor in the Greek. Anybody ever had your journey stopped and your journey halted? And you were like, I just feel like I can't go forward in life. Well, that means in the Greek you were lame. Uh, please understand, anybody ever felt like you couldn't see? Well, that, that's in the Greek, that's blind. So check this out. Bishop, who do we invite to the party? Every ethnicity. Every economic condition, blacks, whites, Hispanics, everybody else, younger, older, if they tatted up, if they're fresh out the pen, if they're an executive, or if they're a thug. Here's my point. He invited you to the party. So why should anybody else get left out of the party? And let me teach you to the church folk. Because church folk, sometimes as you begin getting your life in order, you can sometimes inadvertently start looking down at other people. Don't do that. Touch your neighbor say, don't do that. He invited you to the party. So then who are we to not invite somebody else to the party? But Bishop, they don't really look like, you know, church folk. What does that look like? I've seen some of the biggest devils in the nicest three-piece suits. I've seen some of the most rude, curt, cantankerous women in their church hats. Come out, thank you, Jesus. And all this here, I'm like, you are a witch. Because you forgot he invited you to the party. So just because their sin is different than your sin, don't judge their sin because you don't want nobody judging your sin. Touch your neighbor say, invite everybody to the party. Everybody gets invited. Everybody gets invited. Bishop, but they were at the club last night. They really need to come to the party. But Bishop, be holy. The Bible says, be holy. Hey, 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 holy, holy. You need to learn how to read so you can read the whole chapter. Holy means distinct. And when he said, be holy for your father and heaven is holy, another version says, be ye perfect for your father and heaven is perfect. The word there just means whole. And then if you read it in context, he's talking about through love, we are made whole so we can bring wholeness to others. So in other words, when he's saying be perfect, what he's saying is, is be the solution that you're complaining about that doesn't exist. Stop saying, ain't no trustworthy people. You be trustworthy, then we'll have one. Stop saying, ain't no honest people. You tell the truth, and then we'll have one. Too many hypocrites in church. Well, I need to tell you, you the captain of the hypocrite committee. You better come to me with something else. And by the way, you don't even know what hypocrite means. 
Because they be, they be saying one thing but doing something else. That just means they say one thing and do something else. Hypocrite, from its root word, means to be an actor. It means to, watch this, convey one thing but actually believe another thing. Which means you may not practice what you preach yet. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. That just means you don't practice what you preach yet. But if you don't actually believe what you preach and you preach it, that makes you a hypocrite. Touch your neighbor say, invite him to the party. Jesus does the changing, not you. I know. I, 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 touch your neighbor say, Jesus does the changing. Isn't he changing you? Isn't he changing us? He does the changing. And so for years, church folk have thought, well, you know, no, they need to get right, then come church. Good luck. Hear me, you don't get right to come to God. You come to God, he'll get you right. You got the order reversed. So there's, there's a, watch this. There's 1,800 churches in this region. I know, that's what I thought. Really? Like, well, where are they at? They must be underground churches. They must be having church in the basement of the sewer or something, because where are they at? From Boulder to the Springs, they, they estimate 1,800 churches. And we got, watch this, between Aurora and Denver, we got 920-some thousand people. And I wonder how many of those people think, well, I'm not good enough to go to the party. I made too many mistakes to go to the party. I failed too much to go to the party. They need us to tell them, come to the party. But I failed. Come to the party. But I made a mistake. Come to the party. Here it is. Jacob was a cheater, but he got invited to the party. Peter had a temper, but he invited him to the party. David set somebody up and had the man murdered. But he invited him to the party. Noah had a drinking problem, but he invited him to the party. Jonah was a runner, but he invited him to the party. Paul was a murderer, but he invited him to the party. Gideon was insecure, but he invited him to the party. Miriam was a bitter gossip, but he invited her to the party. Martha was a warrior, but he invited her to the party. Thomas was a doubter, but he invited him to the party. Elijah got depressed, but he got invited to the party. Moses stuttered, but he invited him to the party. Abraham was too old, but he invited him to the party. So what's your excuse? He invites us to the party. Next week, we're starting a brand new series. This whole message was to get us to this one place, those three invitations. We're starting a brand new series. They're going to have the invite tickets for you uh, as you go out. And it'll be all on the website and all that. And it's called The Blessed Life. It's not this ticket. I don't have that one up here. But, but uh, say The Blessed Life. What better party? in the series talking about how God wants them to be blessed and not a mess. So this week, my challenge to you is to invite everybody to the party. Pass out the invite tickets. Text somebody. Email somebody. Facebook somebody. Tweet somebody. Call somebody. Invite them to the party. But Bishop, you know, I'm not a part of the evangelism department of the church. You know, funny thing, we don't actually have a department of evangelism. We don't have one of those. 
We have you. I said, we have you. And that's what you're to do. Say, invite them to the party. Everybody's invited. Don't prejudge somebody and think they'll never come. Literally, there are probably more people that have watched online between the two experiences than are in this building. You have no clue how many people it's reaching. You have no clue how many people you're, you're touching. Many of you are in this room because somebody invited you to the party. And watch this. And you were like, I ain't trying to go to church. But you sure setting up in here today, but you ain't trying to go to church self. Father, give us the grace. You can remain seated. Give us the grace to invite anybody and everybody to the party. Three invitations have gone out. One to follow you. One to change the world with me. And a third to invite everybody to the party. Some little girl needs to be invited so she knows she doesn't have to use her body for love. Some young man needs to get invited to the party so he knows there's another lifestyle besides just running the streets on the east side <laughs> or whatever side. He needs to know there's more to life. He needs to see somebody that's made it. He needs to know that this isn't just talk. There's some woman that's tired. She's like Leah. Her eyes are weary. She's tired. She needs to be invited to the party. There's some man that's successful. He's got more money than he knows what to do with, but he's miserable, and he needs to be invited to the party. Everybody gets invited. We are not a black church. We are not a white church. We are an everybody church. We are not a young church. You will not put us in a box. We're not an old church. We ain't a traditional church. We ain't a new school church. We just what he's wanted the whole time. We're just a church. And everybody's invited to this party. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R 10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? 
Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.